You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, disappointing loss, but we know what we have coming this week. So it's going to be on us to have a great week of practice. You know, it's got to be, we just got to get better. And I, that'll be our focus, and you know, just in, in every way. You now we talked about that after, uh, after watching film on, on the game. You know, we, it's, the message was, we don't have time to sit around and feel sorry for ourselves. You know, you sit around and feel sorry for yourself, and they'll hang 60 on you. And we really just kind of moved on. Um, took what we could from the game and and ready to put it into into work this week. We definitely have a lot a lot to work on. You know, there's always there's always I guess a few positives in every game, and obviously this one has probably a lot more negatives and positives when we go back and watch the film. But you know, um, there's definitely a lot. We need to be a lot more disciplined. You know, um, in our run fits, um, that's one thing. You know, we need to be more physical, I think, on every level, and I think it just goes back to the way we practice and the way we prepare. Hello, here, and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan. Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as we are going to get you geared up for Saturday night's game, Nebraska-Ohio State Memorial Stadium. Back-to-back home night games against back-to-back top 10 opponents. Uh, Ohio State, their lone loss on the year, obviously early against Oklahoma. Uh, The Buckeyes currently ranked fourth nationally in total offense, 568 yards per game. It's going to be a daunting challenge, Robin, as, as you look at uh, this matchup, we saw how Nebraska struggled defensively last week and uh, have discussed that in nauseam this entire week. And and you look at JT Barrett coming in, uh, 16 touchdowns, one interception, 1,513 yards passing. He completes nearly 64% of his passes. We know the kind of skill players they have, led by running back J.K. Dobbins. On paper, this is probably the worst matchup on Nebraska's entire schedule. Um, just from a schematic standpoint, um, we've seen the way um, Bob Diaco's defense struggles with the run-pass option spread. And as he said, Urban Meyer's system is not a spread offense, it's the spread offense. He called him the godfather um, of that style, and uh, they play it better than n- nobody else. And they have a senior quarterback who um, you know, has shown that he's as good as anyone in the Big Ten. And then you look at the pieces they have around him, um, and that, the skill at the wide receiver, uh, the you know, big, strong offensive line, and then a two-headed rushing attack um, that is as good as any in the conference. I mean, just across the board offensively, this will be, um, as you said, as daunting of a task as Nebraska's seen thus far. Um, and on the other side of the ball, you're talking about maybe the most athletic and fierce pass rush um, they'll see all season. I mean, they, they go four deep uh, at defensive end with potential NFL draft picks. And then that's not even t- counting their all-conference line backers and oh yeah they've got a defensive backfield that seems to put out you know one or two first round cornerbacks uh, each year in the NFL draft so uh, there's really no weakness and that you don't look at any point in this and say Nebraska has the edge here and so this is really going to come down to Nebraska's resolve uh, you know this is really similar to last year you know we look back a year ago when they went to Wisconsin uh, had a disappointing loss on the road in overtime very next week had to go to Ohio State and lost by 59 points. This is a very similar situation. How they bounce back from that Wisconsin game in a quick turnaround this week, um, I mean, the, that could be the difference between another blowout loss at home or potentially saving some momentum. Um, you know, I think the key here is when you look at what happened last year um, after that Ohio State loss, you know, losing 62-3, to um, that next week, uh, you know, they were really reeling and they were able to bounce back and get two straight wins over Minnesota and Maryland. So, I mean, I think that the biggest thing here, um, obviously a win is your ultimate goal, but saving face, keeping the season together as much as possible and don't, you know, get run over at home and completely let this thing fall apart. 
Yeah, and that's that's the thing that uh, you know I I, I kind of get the feeling that they've done a good job of kind of moving on from that Wisconsin game because that was that was obviously you know a game that was tied seventeen seven at one point in the second half and Nebraska was right in it and then all of a sudden the wheels kind of fell off in that fourth quarter um, you know and and the score looked you know, pretty bad. Uh, but when you go back and look at that game, you know, they're, they were sticking with him for, for three quarters at least. Um, but they have not spent this week sulking about that, that loss. I, I feel like the, the mood of the team is, is pretty good. The guys seem pretty upbeat. Um, you know, there's, there's doesn't seem to be a whole lot of negativity uh, inside that locker room where, you know, <laughs> we all know that there's been some negativity outside of that locker room with, with, the fan base and everything so um you know you 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 hope that they're right mentally heading into this game because this is an Ohio State team that just seems to be you know kind of hitting their stride I think they've outscored their opponents by about 100 points here over just the last couple of weeks so um you know it'll be interesting to see exactly how they manage uh this talented Ohio State squad coming into Memorial Stadium you're listening here to the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan Robin Washett Nate Klaus as we get you geared up for Saturday's game with Ohio State and this starts a back half stretch of the schedule for Nebraska as they have six games remaining and you know I think it's safe to say I mean the Northern Illinois game has completely just thrown everything off and Nebraska has that win right now they're four and two with a seven point loss at Oregon and a game against Wisconsin you'd be upset about right now but you would just feel a lot better about Nebraska if they were four and two right now but they're not they're three and three now they have six games remaining, Robin. Uh, you look at it with Ohio State and Penn State, but then you got four very winnable type of games against Northwestern, Purdue, Iowa uh, on the schedule. Um, Minnesota. And Minnesota, excuse me, uh, the four games remaining. Um, I mean, so they're, four and two down the stretch is not out of the question. And I think that's how you salvage this year in, 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 in some respects, that if you could stabilize it and finish out four and two, uh, that would be a six and three conference record. Yeah, it's not insurmountable by any stretch. But going back to my original point, um, mentally, if you go out there and get housed by sixty points again uh, at home, that can be devastating to your team's confidence. And then all of a sudden, it changes your entire outlook about going on the road and beating a significantly better Purdue team or beating a Northwestern team that always seems to play you extremely well um, in Memorial Stadium, regardless of the record. And then having to go two straight road games at Minnesota, at Penn State, and then closing out at Iowa, which has gotten the best of you more often than not. Um, you know, I mean, th- that's why I say this this week, you know, while a win, I mean, is going to be very, 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 very difficult, keeping this thing close and competitive and giving yourself something to feel good about coming out of it that you can kind of build upon going into that week like they did a year ago when, you know, they, they you know, found a way to keep, you know, whatever season they had left together and then won two straight after that Ohio State loss last year. Um, that's going to be pivotal for keeping the season afloat and remaining bowl eligible. Well, and you're going into a bye week coming out of this game too, so that, I think that's key too because you want to you want to do feel good about something. Uh, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it's a victory. Hopefully, you're knocking knocking this team off. That's going to be difficult to do, not impossible, but uh, you you want to have something to take away heading into that bye week. Uh, to feel good about, and then you want to obviously use that week to to fix some of the things that uh, you need to fix. Well, we'll have a lot to talk about here as we get you ready for this matchup. A lot of injury things and 
and uh, guys possibly returning. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss the running back situation, uh, Chris Jones, and maybe where he'll fit in uh, on this defense. Uh, there was a big recruiting weekend last weekend as well. The Huskers had 11 official visitors in. Um, it was highlighted by a big brunch at Hank Bounds' house, the University of Nebraska system president. Uh, he had all 11 recruits at his house, so we'll get Nate's thoughts on that and much more as uh, when we come back. We're going to talk offensive storylines, what to look for on the offensive line, and also the running back position and much more. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. They're different. Wisconsin, very disciplined, tough. They all do their job. You know what I mean? Uh, Ohio State is more, it's different because they're a four down front and they're just got some really talented athletic guys. They've got great speed. You know what I mean? They're hit, they've been hitting on all cylinders for sure. Defensively playing fast and and they're talented, and they play fast, and they're well-coached, and same thing offensively. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, this segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Seven locations in Omaha and Lincoln. You've got two here now in Lincoln, five in Omaha. It is your uh, place to go, whether it's before high school football, after high school football, to watch the Husker game, NFL Sundays, Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with seven Omaha and Lincoln locations. Well, you heard Mike Cavanaugh, uh, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. You heard uh, Mike Riley discuss the challenge they faced this week, and I think Really, for me, the offensive line again will, will be the story. You, you know, we 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 were a little skeptical last week how they would match up against Wisconsin. Well, they held the Badgers sackless. At least Tanner Lee was not sacked up. O'Brien was sacked late on the final offensive play Nebraska had. Uh, but I think it's a little misleading when you look at that stack. Is Wisconsin didn't blitz at all really that entire game. They brought four most of the time, sometimes three. And Nebraska was keeping six or even seven home to block. So you better hold your quarterback sackless at that point. Um, and I expect a similar deal this week. Ohio State's going to attack Nebraska Robin with uh, sets that have four defensive ends on pass rushdowns. They're going to have five-star, four-star athletes across the board on their front seven. Uh, this is going to arguably be a tougher challenge for Nebraska's O-line this week. Well, athletically, no doubt about it. Uh, like I said, I mean, Ohio State's at each level of their defense has potential first-round draft picks on it. I mean, it's really ridiculous when you look at the star power they have. And this is a defense that just doesn't give up much at all. They're only allowing 290 yards per game and just under 16 points per game. Both of those rank in the top 15 nationally. Uh, and then you, you talked about that pass rush. Um, you know, they rank second nationally in tackles for loss with nine and a half and 19th in the nation with sacks per game at 2.8. And like you said, a lot of it comes down to being able to put four defensive ends who are potential NFL guys uh, on that defensive line and letting them go one-on-one -on -one, uh, and then having your linebackers drop back. I mean, th there's a reason why uh, that pass rush is working so well is because they're so good on the back end. You know, they've only given up, um, what, six passing touchdowns in six games this season. And so, I mean, a lot of that is because they're able to drop, you know, seven guys back and only rush four, and they're getting huge pressure with just those four. And so um, the, the pass protection, you know, it's been an issue. It's been better for Nebraska, I guess, over the past couple of weeks. But um, they didn't give up a sack on Tanner Lee against Wisconsin, but I think they allowed him to get hit. They counted eight times, and that's far too many than what they want. And so uh, against a team like this, you have to be as good as you've been all year. And that's where, you know, we 
talked about it last week, being able to run the football is imperative. If they cannot get good yardage on first and Consistent second down, yardage. exactly, and keep the, the, the chain short on third down, uh, that's going to be a bad, bad deal because then you're asking an offensive line to go basically head-to-head with the best pass-rushing front four in the entire conference. Well, and I think your ability to try and control the clock as much as possible in a game like this and kind of slow it down, kind of muddy it up a little bit, um, you know, and keep keep Ohio State off the field, keep their offense off the field, I think is important too. And if there's ever a week to, for Nebraska to get its screen game going and, and the draw game going uh, finally, uh, this would probably be it facing this defensive front that they're going to see from Ohio State uh, because it's obviously one of the one of the best that they're going to see, uh, one of the best in the country. Uh, and those tight ends are, are really going to have to uh, be challenged quite a bit this week too, and in, in helping to to block and keep Tanner clean, Tanner league clean <laughs> say that three yeah. times fast you're listening here to the husker online show this segment brought to you by tanner's sports bar and grill five locations in omaha two in lincoln as we continue our discussion of offensive storylines going into the game and uh, running back once again will be a topic i think before this game after this game uh mikhail wilbon will be back in the fold i don't expect uh, we'll see trey bryant as he, he is still trying to come back and um, that situation is, you know, potentially a red shirt uh, could happen, as Mike Riley said, a medical red shirt. Uh, but the whole Wilbon Ozigbo thing, Robin, will be very interesting to follow and um, how they handle that. I mean, I think everybody would agree Ozigbo's done enough to be that guy three straight 100 yard games. Yeah, and he's done it in the way that Nebraska needs to run the football with power between the tackles and keeping drives on, on schedule. And uh, he got his first start of the year. Uh, against Wisconsin and took all 23 of Nebraska's running back rushing attempts and 23 of the 26 runs the entire night uh, ended up with 109 yards. And so he did a pretty good job. Um, but I do think that they need that compliment, the, the one-two punch that, you know, Wilbon provides because, um, you know, you go back to the, the previous two games, you know, Wilbon got the start, but towards the end of the game, it was Ozigbo that took over late in the game and was fresh and able to kind of pound things out in the fourth quarter and really make Nebraska kind of a, a dominant clock chewing offense when they needed it to be and so you know we talked about they're needing to be able to run the ball and like Nate said muddy it up I think that that's a probably a pretty good game plan uh, is to give both of those guys uh, an opportunity um, to, to keep it one another fresh and you know let Wilbon um, be more of a weapon in the passing game you know we saw what happens when you try and throw a swing pass to Divino Zigbo <laughs> it doesn't go well so uh, you utilize their skill sets and more importantly you keep both of those guys fresh down the stretch when you need to really chew up the clock and chew up yards i think that's the biggest thing is is not running another guy right into the ground um because for as impressive as trey bryant was for the first three you know couple games um unfortunately uh you know you kind of wore him out and, and i don't know if that was bound to happen at some point in time this season or not you know it sounds like whatever injury he does have was uh was something that was you know going to flare up regardless uh, but there's still a lot of season left, and and I, you know, I, you'd hate to see them kind of run another guy right into the ground. So I think it is important to have a compliment in in Mikel Wilbon this weekend um, to to at least do some different things. They are completely different running backs and, and do a lot of different good things for Nebraska, um, and they're going to be greatly important. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we discuss offensive storylines. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Let's talk offensive line now, guys. As David Neville did try to come back Tuesday, 
um, but you know suffered a setback with that foot. Did not practice Wednesday. Um, you know, so I expect. I think we all expect it's probably going to be Hymas's game again at that right tackle position. And uh, Cole Conrad's even repping some with the number ones as a swing guard. Whether that's the right or the left side, that remains to be seen. If it's both sides. Um, but it's interesting, uh, Kavanaugh trying some different things with key guys, uh, but the tackle position now with Hymas out there potentially again as a true freshman, um, it's not the ideal matchup you want to see. <laughs> not by any stretch. That's a lot to ask for a true freshman, and give Brendan Hymas a lot of credit. I think he has really stepped in and played extremely well and kind of solidified himself as one of Nebraska's tackles of the future. But he is a true freshman playing under the lights in prime time against the best pass rush he has ever seen in his entire football life. If he gets matched up one-on-one with Nick Bosa, who leads the Big Ten in sacks and ranks 12th nationally with four on the year, that's going to be a bad, bad deal. Uh, they got they, the, the pass pro, including running backs and tight ends, and then Tanner Lee being quick with the, getting the ball out of his hands is going to be crucial not to put guys like Brandon Hymas on an island against this pass rush because if they do that, it is not going to end well. And yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Robin. Uh, you do have to give Brandon Hymas a heck of a lot of credit credit for how he's played. And and to be honest with you, I, I think you have to credit the O line in general for the last few weeks because uh, for the first couple of games of the season, I mean that was that was definitely the group that was the lightning rod. I mean, we're getting a lot of criticism, but they they've kind of turned it around a little bit. Um, you know what they can do this weekend remains to be seen, but I, I do think that's a group that that deserves some credit. Uh, Michael Decker for for stepping up. You know it seems like they've found themselves a center there, um, and with Hymas stepping up, it sounds like they've found themselves a right tackle there. Um, not a huge surprise that that David Neville. You know. Continues got, to yeah, battle. Got injured and then tried to come back and, and you know, kind of had another setback. That seems like I think it was last week I said that's kind of history has repeated itself several times here uh, with him, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, this is a group that's playing a lot better, but they're going to have to have their best game this weekend. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to the defensive discussion and was it really as bad as it looked in the fourth quarter? We'll get our thoughts. Uh, we'll give our thoughts on that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I referred to it in the write-up for the for the players as as not a spread offense. I wrote it as the spread offense, and I did it purposefully because Coach Myers' offense from Bowling Green to Utah to Florida to Ohio State has made people famous. It's made players famous. It's made coaches famous. His coaching tree all around the country, they're all basically running that offense. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska's defensive coordinator, Bob Diaco, discussing what they'll see this week from Urban Meyer's spread offense uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Let's talk defense here, guys, now. And got to start with the running defense for Nebraska and, and, and the breakdowns we saw in that fourth quarter. Uh, in total, Wisconsin ran the ball 32 of their final 34 plays. I think there was a stretch, Robin, where it was over 20 in a row yep. uh, that they ran. And, I mean, everybody from Betty and row 77 – to Bob Diaco, knew what Wisconsin was doing, and Nebraska could not stop it. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that as far as a fourth quarter goes where Nebraska could not get them off the field at all. And 
Um, the two passes they threw were on third down. One was a big one over the middle. That was a huge play at the time. And then the other was a touchdown pass that put Ohio State, Wisconsin back up by seven. Now this week you, fe- you face another talented freshman running back, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, you already saw Jonathan Taylor last week. You've seen Royce Freeman. The good news is they've been tested with some very good backs this year, uh, but it's not going to get any easier this week. No doubt. And you know, going back to last week, you know, obviously the loss was disappointing, but the manner in which they lost that game really made everyone that, you know, Nebraska fan that watched it sick because uh, that, 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 that's what Nebraska used to do to teams. I mean, that, that's that's back when Nebraska uh, was the dominated aggressor. I mean, the, seriously, how many times did we hear in the last week, they do it like we used well, to do it? And they did. I mean, uh, they, they shut it down and punched Nebraska's defense right in the face, and Nebraska had no answer. So uh, that said, now they have to go up against a just as productive, if not more so, rushing attack, but a much different um, look because, you know, this is that run pass option spread that has elements of power with a running quarterback. And so, you know, it's kind of a little bit like what they saw um, maybe with Oregon, but just much better athletes um, as far as, you know, up front on the offensive line and um, particularly a more experienced quarterback and a two-headed running back attack. So, I mean, this is this is going to be daunting in every sense of the word. Um, you're talking about an offense in Ohio State that ranks first in passing offense, total offense, scoring offense in the Big Ten, and second in rushing offense. Um, and it's basically across the board, there are no weaknesses. I mean, maybe um, the experience at wide receiver is probably kind of the, the one quote unquote concern for the Buckeyes right now, but um, they've more than made up for that. Um, and the numbers speak for themselves. So uh, th- this is, you know, w- w- uh, that's why p- most people looked at these two game stretches is, um, you know, Wisconsin being the more winnable game because uh, I think we all thought that Nebraska's defense matched up much better with Wisconsin's style, but clearly uh, that wasn't the case. And now they face an even better unit um, that presents a lot more challenges that makes you cover the entire field. Well, Nebraska matched up with Wisconsin's style better, and they match up with their talent level better. Uh, now you're, you've got a more talented Ohio State squad coming in here that that presents Nebraska with a with a way different challenge. Um, you know, last week, yeah, they they get they did get run over. They they got owned in that fourth quarter. Uh, but like Bob Diaco said, there I think there was some of that that you can correct. I mean, obviously, you're not going to fix. Um, a want to or or toughness or whatever you want to call it uh, it, with some of those plays. But there were some of those plays where they were clearly busts uh, on Nebraska's part. Uh, But, you know, this weekend, if there was ever a week to have the best game that you've ever had in terms of tackling, it needs to be this week because you cannot afford to miss tackles on Ohio State's athletes, uh, especially in the open field, because they it will be it'll turn into a track meet if, if you're not tackling at your best. Yeah. So, Nate, go back to your point about correctable mistakes. Uh, I know that our message board did not appreciate those comments by no. Bob Diaco one bit. And so, uh, Sean, the question here is, I mean, is that do – you th- do you think that there's a legitimate – reasoning behind that I mean that this this is just a, a schematic thing that it's not on the players that you know Nebraska should have been better than they were when basically for you know the last quarter and a half uh, they were flat out dominated physically I think it was a matchup thing I think Wisconsin just had better players in the matchups and Nebraska was getting sucked inside on and they, they I, I countless times the outside linebackers you know, had to make the decision to go inside or set the edge, and they went inside, and then the edge was – they lost contain. 
and the containment and and the running back uh, Jonathan Taylor for Wisconsin was just blowing through the side there um, and and then the corners and the safeties were missing tackles particularly the corners um, so yeah I think it was a lot of things I, I I still am optimistic in the sense so that that game was tied 17-17 late in the third quarter and that was with a pick six in there so yeah, it, it was an awful finish. It was one that if you're a Husker fan, you're just furious about. Um, but they did battle hard um, considering some of the circumstances. It's just unfortunate we saw something play out that none of us could have ever predicted. Yeah, so now the question is, I mean, uh, will those corrections be made in the span of less than a week against a significantly better, more athletic, uh, and arguably more talented offense? And, other than that. Yeah, and so, I mean, that's... No big deal. <laughs> you know, other than that, yeah, I, th- I think that they got a good chance here. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines, guys. Um, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Chris Jones, Back in a black shirt this week. That kind of got unnoticed, but uh, a week ago he was in regular red, I believe, when we were at practice. This week he had the black shirt back on. I think a pretty good chance, um, Robin, Nate, we're going to see Chris Jones back out there in a starting role on Saturday. Yeah, and Bob Diaco even said that. You know, you're, he didn't. He said it without saying it. He said that you're going to see Chris Jones back in the role that everyone expected him to be going into the year. So take that as he's going to start. And uh, I think that's the right move. I mean, uh, as well as these young cornerbacks have been able to kind of uh, handle a very difficult challenge thrown at them, kind of getting thrown in the fire right away. You need who a guy who is arguably your best overall defensive player on the field, especially in a game like this. And um, so I, that's, I fully expect him to be back in the starting lineup and playing a lot of snaps because, you know, this was kind of the game that I think um, they, they were really gearing him to get back for um, when that injury happened. And so um, he got, you know, that his feet wet a little bit last week. And uh, now I think that he's going to be ready to go and take on a much bigger workload. Yeah, got his feet wet, came away feeling good on that knee, you know, and, and probably I, I would say that that Wisconsin game probably did an awful lot for his mental healthness you know uh too you know when you're coming off an injury that that's one thing that you might have some self-doubt about you know can I plant on this can I change direction can I be at full speed whatever the case may be um you know so he, he was able to get some plays under his belt come away feeling healthy from that game um you know and and I think that uh he's ready to to do some battle against Ohio State you're listening here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan Robo Washington A class the other guys though Kyron Williams not Kyron Williams, um, Antonio Reed and Aaron Williams, kind of both situations to watch, you know, as far as their durability goes and, and kind of where they're at, Robin. Yeah, I think Aaron Williams is going to play. They've been really careful with him. He's got that soft tissue injury in his neck, and um, he hasn't practiced a whole lot. But again, as the coaches have noticed, he's a guy that doesn't necessarily need to get in there and hit uh, because he, he's capable of doing it on game day. But Antonio Reed, that's the one to watch. You know, he was pulled from that Wisconsin game with a knee injury. And really, we had no updates on what the actual injury was. Was it a sprain or um, any sort of structural damage? We don't know. Um, He is at practice. He doesn't have a brace on or anything. He's walking without a limp. So that's encouraging. But um, we just haven't seen him out there. And so, you know, if they're out, a guy that's played some pretty good football, uh, while Joshua Kalou was out, I mean, that's going to be a loss because I think this is a game where you need all hands on deck with that secondary. And Ben Stilley got his first start last week. Uh, still not in a black shirt. In fact, Alex Davis still wears the cat black shirt, um, I believe, <laughs> for yes. the defense. Um, so uh, it's interesting on that approach. But um, Ben Stilley got his first career start as a redshirt freshman, uh, rightfully so, after how he played 
out at Illinois. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring in Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson. We're going to take your questions in the mailbag, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of them as we get ready for Ohio State. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think it's definitely going to help us, you know, having that depth and having those, like, different type of backs, you know, they can spell each other so nobody will ever, you know, really be too out of gas or, you know, like have a long run, you have another fresh guy in there to get another one. So, you know, it definitely helps us, our team as a whole, and, you know, they all bring something special, so we're all going to try to get in there. Welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was junior running back Divino Zigbo, kind of about the situation right now with Mikael Wilbon back, Trey Bryant trying to come back. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. Let's bring in Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson. Mailbag time. What do you have for us, Matt? Well, chock full mailbag today. Uh, it's starting off with the running back rotation, just like you mentioned. How are coaches going to handle that? Is Ozigbo kind of behind Mikhail Wilbon again? What What do they do if Trey Bryant comes back? And where does Divine Ozigbo fit into all of this? I think it's really a feel thing right now. Um, I believe Ozigbo is going to be the starter this week. And I think if he runs well they're going to stick with them but if there's signs of inconsistency or struggling or struggles they will they will go back to Bryant and give him opportunities but um, we saw it in the passing game um, catching balls out of the backfield not exactly probably divine strength um, so I would think in some screens and passing situations uh, that's where a guy like Mikel Wilbon might factor in the most. Just to be clear, Sean, you said Bryant. Do you think Bryant's going to play? Uh, no, okay, I don't. Good. So, sorry, just, sorry just want to clarify that. Didn't want to throw that out there. Get my three-headed <laughs> running back monster committee uh, confused there. Right, sorry but, about that. But no, I'm with you. I, I think that uh, Ozigbo has earned the right to be the guy, and the fact that you know he's actually healthy um, gives him the nod. It makes it a no-brainer. But I do think Mikhail Wilbon will factor in. We talked about earlier. They need to keep uh, those guys fresh down the stretch. You know, we've seen what happens. You know, when you just rely on one guy. It really limits you, I think. Um, you need to have that kind of one-two punch, and I think they'll continue to do that regardless of who starts. I think you'll see a fairly balanced workload between those two. Yeah, you roll your healthiest horse out there, and, and that's a Zigbo at this point in time, and and have Wilbon uh, spell him, and and maybe even you know see Bradley out there uh, for for a couple carries too, if if need be. I I don't expect Trey Bryant to play. Uh, I'd be shocked if he did. Uh, you know, I think if he does come back, the earliest it would be would be after the the bye week. Well, Mikhail Wilbon told us Monday that he thinks of he himself and Divino Zigbo as sort of a thunder and lightning type of combination, but they have quite a test against the Ohio State defensive line. So compare Wisconsin's defensive line to Ohio State's. They're different. Um, I think when you look at – it's almost – it kind of reminds you of like Wisconsin's basketball teams the way they are. They're just big, physical, tough guys. They do the right thing. They don't make very many mistakes. They have pro talent, but it's a different type of pro talent. Where I, I look at Ohio State, they have that elite, high-level draft pick pro talent that comes in ready-made. They've got arguably the best coach or one of the top three or four coaches in the country um, in the program that Urban Meyer's built there. So um, it's it's similar, but I, as the coaches have all said all week, it's different than what they saw last week. Yeah, to kind of put it like Wisconsin has like – first or second round like their best guys are first and second round players Ohio State's best guys are like top five 
overall <laughs> pick players. I mean, so I mean, that's the difference in talent that you're looking at right now. And it, like we said, it, it goes across the board. It's not just on that defensive line where, I mean, you arguably have three or four uh, first or second round draft picks in that group alone. Um, you can go back to the linebackers you can go to the secondary and there's just NFL talent across the board. So that's where the difference is. It's the level of talent, the level of athleticism and the overall speed in which Ohio State plays that makes them so good. Yeah, and in, in Ohio State... They don't. They don't need linebackers to to create to help create pressure. I mean, they can get all the pressure they they need and want from their front four. Uh, whereas Wisconsin, I think every now and then uh, they they might need uh, you know a little bit of help from from you know bringing some linebackers or anything like that. But Larry Johnson, the D line coach at Ohio State, can just kind of turn his guys loose. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Wash, and Nate Klaus. We're taking your questions here in the mailbag with Matt Reynoldson. Mid-season report time, and a little bit of a big-picture question here. Looking back at that original Vegas line of six wins, what do you see with this team now that may have justified that, or are you seeing something different that may have not justified that? You know, I think the best analogy I remember hearing in the summer was, like, if I told you a team was losing their starting running back, their starting quarterback, their top three receivers or four receivers, their top three tight ends, um, and, you know, guys like Nate Gary, Josh Banderas, and some key players on the defense – most people are like, wow, that's a lot to replace. And uh, I, I think that's the reality of it right now. There are a lot of new faces on this team that have not played much football. And when a place like Las Vegas makes a projection, they look at all those things. And more often than not, um, they're right. And and they're, I, I think as we're learning now, they saw what we probably didn't see as well uh, because of history. You know, history tells you that when you have this type of turnover on a roster in one season to another um, with over 30 seniors on a team um, and not a lot of starters returning, it's just going to take some time. Well, not only the roster turnover, but the transition on both sides of the ball. I mean, you're essentially – New con- coordinator. Yeah, you're converting to a, a, obviously an entirely new defense. But even on offense, you're transitioning to a, almost a totally different offensive style with a pocket passer from a running quarterback. So uh, there was a lot going on this offseason that I think, you know, I'll be the first to admit I was one of them, didn't uh, take into account as much as I probably should have. I looked at that initial Vegas line of six, six and a half, and I laughed. I was mm-hmm. like, there's no way they're going to be that bad. They could start 5-0 and oh if they beat Oregon. Well, quickly proved wrong on that front uh, and now I mean we I mean, all had the northern illinois one on there right yeah I mean, no doubt yeah. and oh, yeah. so i mean now look at they're they're sitting here at three and three right now and you look at the rest of the schedule uh they got to have some luck to get to six wins right now uh, i mean that's just kind of where this reality of the, the and seven's is. probably the top end i right think now. i think seven wins is as you know fortunate thinking as you could possibly get seven and we're in Times square for a bowl game could be worse. <laughs> yeah, it could be worse. Could be Detroit. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree with all of that. The, the the roster turnover, the the breaking in of the the new systems on both sides of the ball. But the other thing too is that I think everyone underestimated. You know that it would take a guy like Tanner Lee a little bit of time to to knock the rust off after not having been the starter for what 18 plus months uh whatever it is and especially being you know the the quarterback in a fishbowl that is nebraska i think that everybody probably over or underestimated how long that would actually take well next question shooting for the moon here what does nebraska need to have happen to beat ohio state saturday night i think they need to force a turnover or two which won't be easy to do because jt barrett's only thrown one interception on the season um i i think tanner lee Needs to play like he's played the last two weeks. He's played well. Um, I mean, you look at the throws he's made. 
guys have been covered and he's throwing the ball in tight windows. If he can make those types of throws on third down again here on Saturday night and Nebraska can get a good or respectable running game going that takes some time off the clock, make a play on special teams. Other than that, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I basically said they got to do about everything possible. Everything, but, yeah. <laughs> as long as everything goes right, I think they have a chance. <laughs> as long as they check off these 1,000 boxes, they got a chance. Yeah, for me, it's, well, first and foremost, don't spot them seven points with a pick yes. six. How about that? Uh, after that, don't turn the ball over. Uh, after that, <laughs> keep Tanner Lee upright, which all those three things are going to be easier said than that done. That is hard-hitting stuff. Yeah, and obviously, <laughs> run the ball. I mean, this, it's the same checklist, essentially, for every game the rest of the season, but uh, I think that you're right, Sean. They have to create points with their defense. I mean, this is an Ohio State defense that just doesn't give up points. And so the other side of the ball, I mean, those black shirts have to rise to the occasion. They finally got one last week with Aaron Williams. That needs to happen again. You need to force turnovers and put JT make Barrett, a play. Make, put JT Barrett in bad situations because sometimes when he feels stressed, his accuracy falls apart. And that's kind of the biggest criticisms with Ohio State fans is, you know, his inconsistency. And so if you put the game in his hands, chances are he's going to make some mistakes, and then Nebraska has to capitalize on those when they happen. Yeah, it was just a few weeks ago or so where where a lot of Ohio State fans were kind of calling for JT Barrett to uh, to be benched. So yeah, I, I think that you can kind of um, you know take the take the ball out of his hands, kind of or put it in his hands yeah. and, and force him to make a play. But to me, I think the offense has to have some some drives here. They have to be able to to chew the clock. If it's not even if it's not scoring points, they have to keep Ohio State off the field. We got time for one quick one. What do you have, Matt? Well University of Nebraska Systems President Hank Bounds had a bunch of recruits over for brunch last uh, Saturday or Sunday. So what would what would be your first thing you go to for a brunch at Hank Bounds house? What food item? <laughs> I'm guessing it was catered because there there were probably about 80 people there. Um, I mean, a ton of people at his at his home there in in East Lincoln. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm a bacon guy, uh, but I, I, I like good quality. Like place like Granite City or somewhere has some of the best bacon for a brunch. Uh, but yeah, bacon quality bacon is probably my go-to. Give me a beast of a Bloody Mary with you know some <laughs> yeah, that, bacon in there. That would so, go over some, well some at the veggies. recruiting brunch. Hey, you know what? <laughs> They don't have. To, they can't drink it. I can't know. <laughs> um, boy, yeah, I have to say, bacon is right up there. Um, you know, and I think uh, I think some good eggs too. You know, I, I think you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with eggs. They, maybe they had an omelet station. I'm saying they had an omelet station there. I'm I'm making one. No question. A, like like embassy suite style. Like. I'm making a hell of an omelet. Yep. I'm disappointed. I want more intel from this brunch, Nate. I mean, it was in his basement. I mean, first of all, how big is the basement at his home? What kind of big. muffins were there? I don't. I, w- I don't know. <laughs> I bet you a variety. Yeah, variety. I'm going to ask when I see Hank on the sidelines on Saturday. I'm going to ask him about that brunch and say, "Hey, where's our invite? I want to go to the, one of these brunches yeah. in your basement." But uh, uh, Hank Bounds has been very interesting to follow. Heavy, heavily involved in recruiting. We're going to talk about that and much more next here in our final segment. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk recruiting. Huskers hosted 11 official visitors this past weekend, Nate. And I thought maybe one of the most interesting things out of the weekend for recruiting, and I wrote about this in the 321 this week, was the involvement of University President Hank Bounds. And, um, you know, Bounds has obviously been involved at camps and, and, you know, he's been around the sidelines to meet recruits over the last couple of years. But, 
took things even another another level. Instead of holding their traditional brunch at a Lincoln restaurant on Sunday, uh, Bounds hosted the brunch at his home in Lincoln, um, which was a unique twist to things. But really, in this time of questions, Bounds is one of the few guys that can give answers. And I think that's really one of the reasons why we've seen him so involved. Well, yeah, it's one thing to be able to, to shake some hands and, and to meet you know some parents and some recruits on the sidelines before the game and, and to have some you know, you know, basic conversations on the on the sidelines before games. But it's another thing to to have all the recruits, all their parents, um, you know, the entire coaching staff, support staff, and all their family members out to your house for brunch um, and to spend you know a good three hours or more out at your house. Um, and I think that first and foremost, it's rare. I don't know of another university president in the country that's doing that type of thing. Um, and obviously, uh, especially now, given the circumstances surrounding, you know, the athletic director and everything else, I, I think it's extremely important uh, for for these uh, for these parents, for the coaches, um, you know, and, and for everybody involved. And and the thing about it is that this is a coordinated effort. This isn't just Hank Bounds kind of going rogue and saying, "Hey, we're this is what we're going to do." Uh, he's working with Mike Riley in the staff and all of this and. And I think, to me, I think that that kind of bodes well um, for Mike Riley. You know, obviously, it's going to be the new athletic director's choice, probably what happens in the future. But I think that bodes well for Mike Riley and, and kind of sends a message of solidarity, you know, uh, to a lot of these recruits and their family members. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, uh, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. All right, let's talk about the weekend itself, Nate. Uh, Eleven guys that were in town. Got to start first with Joshua Moore, the the four star receiver. Commit lots of. Um, chatter kind of about where he stands. What can you tell us right now with Joshua Moore and his visit? Well, Joshua Moore has been to campus several times now. He's been uh, he's visited twice this season for games, uh, but this was his official visit. Came with his mom and his sister. Had a great time, um, you know. And I flat out asked him after the trip if you know how solid he was to Nebraska. He said that he's 100% solid to Nebraska, ready to get to Lincoln to get things rolling here. Uh, now, obviously, if if there was a coaching change, um, you know, that, that might be impacted. Uh, you know, we, there's a lot of Twitter chatter and social media chatter right now uh, surrounding his commitment because Houston Griffith from IMG Academy committed to Florida State over the weekend and put something out on, on Twitter that – there was going to be, you know, a flip alert, uh, Joshua Moore flip alert to from Nebraska to Florida State, uh, and Joshua Moore has since changed some things on his Twitter bio. Um, I'm not sure how much I buy into that. You know, obviously, if there are coaching changes that take place, then I think you could say everyone is is on the fence that could you know, could potentially flip. But as of right now, I, I expect Joshua Moore to end up in Lincoln. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. What about Buki Radley Hiles and, and kind of how things went for him this weekend? Yeah, another great visit for Buki. Uh, the big thing for him was that his entire family was able to be here for for a game. You know, he's had his mom on campus before, but not for a game. He's had 
um, one of his brothers on campus before, but not for a game. So the whole family was able to get together, spend an entire weekend with the coaching staff, experience the game, and, and really get a good feel for everything else that goes along with being a student athlete at Nebraska. And the trip went very well. Um, you know, he, and Buki is still very much on board with Nebraska, very excited to get to Nebraska. He said that his family members uh, feel comfortable with the situation that he's stepping into at Nebraska. Uh, so they're on board as well. Uh, so he is going to take some visits. Uh, he said that he has talked with the coaching staff about taking a couple other trips. And they said, you know what? We're fine with that. You've earned the right. Is he signing in December, Nate? Yes, he's, signing, he's so, signing in December, December 20th. He's a mid-year enrollee. Uh, so he'll probably have time to take two or three other official visits. One will be to Clemson for sure. Um, you know, and the coaching staff said, you know what, we're you've earned that right to, to be able to, to, you know, take a couple other visits, just, you know, have fun, but not too much fun type of deal. So um, it is what it is. Uh, he committed very early. People have to remember that he was a silent commitment for a year before he actually went public with it at Nebraska's spring game last April. So he's been committed for about a year and a half or more now. So um, but again, same type of situation. I, I think as long as there aren't any major changes at Nebraska, uh, and especially with the coaching staff, I fully expect Buki Radley House to to be signing with the Huskers in December. All right, Nate, I got to ask you too. The silence on five star Micah Parsons. Um, you know, we usually we obviously can get an update on every visitor that's here. A little bit different situation when, when a five star comes to town. Uh, what is the situation? What do you know about Micah Parsons? Well, from what I know about Micah Parsons is I think the visit went extremely well. Um, he had a good time. Uh, Buki told me that, uh, you know, Micah has been one of his top targets that he's been peer recruiting now for for several months. Um, you know, both of his parents were on campus and and Hank Bounds, you know, that was that was one of the, the first people that I saw Hank Bounds talking with was was Micah Parsons and his parents um, on the sidelines prior to the game. So um, obviously, you know, anytime you have a five star on campus, he's an important target for you. And he's a, a game changer of a recruit. Um, he didn't leave campus until about Monday at 1130 or so. Uh, so they were able to maximize the entire 48 hours uh, that they, that you're allowed for an official visit with Micah Parsons. So I think that is big. Um, and, but I'm not sure what to read into with the silence. He has not done any interviews with anybody following this trip. Um, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing or if that's just a, a five-star thing. Because yeah, a lot of times, guys don't do interviews. Well, I mean, yeah, the five-star guys – are, are, are a whole different animal uh, when it comes to at this point in their recruitment. I mean, they're like the LeBron James type recruits of yeah. football. I mean, yeah. when, when those basketball level recruits like that, you, you don't get those guys on the phone either. So, I mean, it's a little, yeah, I get what you're saying on that respect. It you know, it will be interesting when he does go public, though, with something. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. But um, my gut feeling, and from things that I've been hearing, is that Nebraska is very much in the mix here. Uh, I think it's I think it's Nebraska and Penn State at this point in time, with Ohio State still in the mix, but maybe not quite at the top of the list. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Nebraska definitely 
uh, put their best foot forward once again with Micah Parsons and most importantly with his parents this weekend. Though. And Nate, we got about a minute left. Uh, this weekend, Nebraska is going to have um, at least one official visitor, but a couple of really important 2019 unofficials. Well, yeah, we start with the the one confirmed, guaranteed official visitor, at least at this point in time, heading into the weekend is Talanoa Hufenga. Um, you know, big time athlete out of the state of Oregon, actually from Corvallis, Oregon. Um, he's the the top overall player in the state. He's one of the top athletes in the entire country. He's a kid that could you know legitimately project to play several different positions, uh, whether it's safety or linebacker or even running back or wide receiver on offense. Uh, uh, his brother actually played for Mike Riley at Oregon State. Um, he and his high school coach are very close with. Trent Bray and Mike Riley. So uh, there's a lot of connections there. Uh, and this he was at the spring game, so it's good to get him back on campus. And then two top 2019 um, you know, prospects, especially from the 500-mile radius, will be in town. Uh, quarterback Max Duggan out of Council Bluffs, Iowa, uh, will be taking an unofficial visit to Nebraska. And then Marcus Hicks, uh, a defensive end out of Wichita. Um, you know, both these guys, again, four-star type talents uh, from the 500-mile radius. Uh, very important to get these guys on campus as much as possible. Well, it's going to be another busy weekend here for the Husker online team as uh, we will have full coverage of not only the Ohio State-Nebraska game, but obviously the, the recruiting weekend, and that starts with uh, Nate's visitor gallery that usually gets posted around halftime um, uh, of the game. So if you want to get a look at those recruits, we'll have all that up on the site here starting Saturday. Well, thanks again here as uh, we conclude another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 